Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Well, it's been a little bit of a busy morning, hasn't it? Or a non-busy, busy morning? Big news of the day, Kevin Durant and the Nets appear to have mended fences, at least enough for now. And KD will be, supposedly, staying put. We'll see. But this is the latest news, and it was put out with a press release from the Brooklyn Nets, so it's a whole thing. Meaning, I think at least for the time being, we can assume that KD is a Brooklyn Net. That's not to say that something might not change during the season if he gets annoyed with either Kyrie or Nash or Sean Marks or whatever, but the Nets seem to have waited him out, and KD said, ah, screw it, let's just play. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. This is a Sports Ethos presentation. I'm your host, Dan Bespris. And, you know, I, I think that we kind of have to talk about the Kevin Durant stuff here at the outset. We spent the last six shows talking about season win totals, and now we get this little nugget coming down the pike. What this also does, as you look ahead, and then we can kind of, we'll start big picture, and then we'll kind of come in smaller picture. First of all, we don't know how happy Kevin Durant actually is with this result. I do think that after a meeting like this, it would be pretty weird for him to kind of moan and tantrum his way through actual games. Because what he's done, and, you know, whatever in defense of Kevin Durant here, I, you know how irritated I was with this request, so I'm actually kind of pleased that he now has whatever you want, rescinded it, I don't even know if you want to call it that, or just was like, all right, the, the moaning ran out. But what he did was he put the blame on the front office, so he hasn't really alienated his teammates yet. We know he stayed close with Kyrie Irving throughout all this stuff, there, he didn't. The other guys on the team, he does. I don't think he even knows all that well. A bunch of them were acquired or acquired in the middle of the season last year. Many of them were hurt. Ben Simmons being one of them. They brought in what uh, Royce O'Neal, T.J. Warren. These guys are brand new, so there isn't really a huge locker room thing. 
that's one of the things you'd have to look for here. Will there be a locker room thing? And provided that Kyrie Irving is really okay with the way this whole thing played out, and we'll have to take his word for it that he is, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of bad blood. Could KD turn again? Yeah, it's a possibility, although once you get him going, and let's say the Nets get off to even a decent start, I think he probably then just sort of happily pitters along, which makes him standard Kevin Durant. He and Kyrie can very easily both take about 20 shots a ball game. I don't see any any uh, usage issues on this club. I still don't have any idea if Ben Simmons is going to play. I don't know if this makes it more or less likely on the Simmons front. But, yes, KD's getting older. Yes, he missed 27 ball games last year. Most of that, it was out for about seven or eight weeks with one injury. So that was most of it. That was what? That was like 22 or 23, I think, of the 27, something like that, in one big chunk. If you don't have that one big chunk, he seems, like, the body seems kind of trustworthy. The mind is subject, based on all of this stuff that's just gone on, but I still think KD has the best shot of anybody in in fantasy basketball to be the number two, certainly per game, but then also probably totals. It was like we talked about last year. Joel Embiid played 68 ball games, and LeBron was four per game. Kyrie was five per game. Steph was number six per game. Cat seven. DeJounte Murray eighth last year. Like you had to get all the way down to Steph, and only and he only played 64 games last season. Joel Embiid was really the only guy in the top five per game, minus Nikola Jokic, of course who played near a league average number of basketball games. So for KD at that two spot, yes, there's an Embiid discussion to be had, but when you look at everybody else that lined up behind those dudes, you had to get almost all the way down, I would argue, to Cat to get to a guy where you're like, okay, well, this dude played in a full complement of games, and enough more, meaning we could go into this season expecting Cat to play in enough additional games and I don't like his fantasy outlook anyway, but from a, a durability standpoint, to maybe cover some of that gap. And this is why when we look back at this last season, Joel Embiid was number two by totals, and Cat was still behind him by a solid about 10% value drop-off between those two guys. By totals, that's despite Cat playing in six additional ball games. So looking back at last year, if Kevin Durant got to basically like 65 games, he's basically then, I think, tied for number two with Joel Embiid, and anything beyond that is kind of gravy. So as you look at this season, what arguments can we really make that, first of all, do we really think KD is going to play fewer than 65 games definitely? Like, what are the odds of that happening again? 30%? It's definitely non-zero. But I think I would say, if you're saying over or under 64 and a half games, I'd probably take the over on KD. Because that's still a pretty good chunk of missed basketball games. 64. Again, that was what Steph was at. And he, what, didn't he break his wrist or something? (laughs) Badly sprained a thumb or something? I don't remember what Steph's injury was. James Harden seems like he was out the whole damn season. He played in 65 games last year. Chris Paul did break a hand. And he, he played in 65 games. So, like, it's not that hard to get to 65 games. And with KD's fantasy stat set with that built-in everything he does 
And if Joel Embiid takes even the tiniest step backwards, which I don't think is really going to happen, but he's done, he does have a healthier James Harden. So there is a possibility he does just the tiniest bit less. I don't think KD does almost anything less. They didn't bring in someone that can shoulder that load. Kyrie was there with him towards the end of the year. KD's going to take a truckload of shots. You don't have to worry about him peeling off at all until there are three stars on a team. And even then, he elevated his fantasy game in other ways. So, you know, from a per-game standpoint, I don't think there's any fear on the Kevin Durant front. From the total side, yeah, you'd, you have some injury stuff. Is he actually happy there? I kind of was hoping he'd get traded because then I don't think you'd have any of the is he happy stuff to worry about. Although, I guess, you know, he might have gotten traded to somewhere he didn't really want to go which is sort of what we've got here back in Brooklyn where he didn't really want to be. But look, if they win some games, all that stuff goes away pretty fast. And KD just plays. You know, last year that team was up a creek without a paddle, and he was like, screw it, play me 45 minutes a game. Let me see what I can do. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. I kind of hope he doesn't play 37 minutes a night. That doesn't seem great for him. But dude averaged 30 points, 7.5 boards, 6.5 assists, a steal block, and two three-pointers last year on elite percentages. And I have basically no reason to think he can't do stuff like that again this coming year. And you might... Might, I'm not going to say will, but might even get just a tiny bit more in defensive stats if the pendulum, kind of a random pendulum, just swings the right way. So this doesn't really scare me off of KD the way that it might a lot of folks, and, and reasonably so. If you want to play it a little safer there, you can. I just don't know what's the safe play. We did a whole week of shows on who should go number two. Who's the safe play in there? I would argue that KD, despite all the stuff going on around him, is probably the safe play because he's most likely the number two per-game guy. I don't see anybody on this board that even has a puncher's chance of catching KD per game. LeBron, if he shoots 79% at the free throw line, would that happen? Doubtful. Steph... If he somehow ups his usage and also shoots closer to 50% again, I guess that's got, a, again, a fleeting chance. Cat, no. Kyrie, no. Embiid, maybe. That's about it. Embiid gets a maybe. Anthony Davis. Is Anthony Davis the answer? 
if he somehow goes back to shooting 80% of the free throw line, Anthony Davis is your answer of like, who, what other guy out there have we actually seen get into that number one, number two, number three discussion who hasn't seen their actual fantasy game erode in a way that isn't fixable? Like, we've seen AD hit free throws. He seems to have a yips thing going on. It could go away, or it could just stick. But you don't have to draft AD at number two. You don't even have to draft AD at number 10. If you want Kevin Durant, and you have the second pick, he ain't getting back to you. And also, again, what's the safe choice there? Cat? I think there's a drop-off with Rudy Gobert stuff going on. Even if there isn't... His per-game value is going to be substantially lower. Let's look at it just from a per-game standpoint. Is there anyone in the NBA besides Joel Embiid, Joel Embiid, that could get near Kevin Durant per game for at number two spot? And I really do believe the answer is Anthony Davis. Or really a bunch of these kind of how-did-they-become-punt-free-throw guys that ended up as punt-free-throw guys. Could Giannis shoot 80% of the foul line? Could LeBron shoot 80% of the foul line? It's basically the question is, can any of LeBron, Giannis, or AD shoot 80% at the free throw line? Because if so, they could be the number two player in fantasy. But precedent would suggest they won't, and Kevin Durant doesn't have to do anything different to be the number two player in fantasy. Per game. Health-wise, he'd be the number two player if he played in 11 more games this year. Actually, 10. He only needs 10. Still into it. As promised, a little bit of ADP stuff on today's show. Fun to get into this. Although, it, you know, it's worth mentioning, the ADP, at least at the top here, pretty well parallels the player rank board that Yahoo's put together preseason, which I still, they put their ADP stuff out. I thought maybe we'd see some names bounce around uh, on their, their pre-rank list, and to this point, they haven't. But I thought it might be kind of fun just to kind of compare the two face-to-face and see if there are any obvious areas of difference. Now, Nikola Jokic is number one. That's an easy one. We don't have to break that one down. Jokic is number one. He should go number one. Interestingly, Kevin Durant is two on Yahoo. This surprised the heck out of me, given how many games he missed last year and all the drama surrounding him. But indeed, they pre-ranked him two, which I'm inclined to agree with. And so his ADP is also the second on the board. Trey Young is number three in both. Joel Embiid is number four in both. And this is where things start to shift a little bit. Number five on the preseason rank list is Cat, which I do believe uh, does favor the sort of totals thing. In ADP, Cat is down at eight. Luka is number five on the ADP board, and he's actually number seven on the pre-rank sheet. Steph is number six in both, so plopped himself right in there. Number seven in ADP is Giannis, who's number nine in pre-rank. Jason Tatum is number eight in both, so it all kind of came back together there. And I told you about Giannis on the preseason rank board. LaMelo Ball is number 10 in both. James Harden is number 11 in both. And LeBron James is number... No, excuse me. Kyrie Irving is number 12 uh, in preseason rank, LeBron is number 12 by ADP, which does make a lot of sense. Kyrie being that high, actually, it seems like maybe he moved up the board a little bit. 
Did Kyrie shuffle forward a couple slots? No, that's where he was. My bad. So let's talk a little bit about this ADP data that we got pulling in here. We're going to talk about the first round on today's show uh, and what these numbers mean. Not necessarily from the does this make any sense standpoint. We'll cover that a little bit. But more so what we should all be expecting going forward. And tomorrow's show, we'll do something similar with the second round. Or we could even go through top 25 if that's easier for you guys to remember. It doesn't really matter. And then the following day, I think we'll probably get into how this corresponds to the buckets. Although, I'll admit, that's a really hard podcast format to do. To take our adjusted list after the second pass and then... <laughs> the try to try to work the ADP data in on a live recorded show. It's not live, I guess, but it is recorded in real time. Real time. That's the right word. All right, so what do we do with this first round ADP data right now? Well, for one, uh, it's important to note the couple of players that are higher in ADP than they were on the Yahoo preseason rank board and see if we can make heads or tails of it. Top four is the same, as we mentioned. Jokic, KD, Trey Young, Joel Embiid. I thought Trey uh, was going to be someone who was higher by ADP, but they had him pre-ranked so high that it kind of didn't matter. Luka, ADP of five and a half. Always a guy who goes earlier in ADP than he does on Yahoo's preseason rank board because Yahoo is ranking these guys in category leagues. It's going off projections. The ADP data that comes in is off of actual drafts of different formats. And Luca is someone who's basically punished the more standard categories you add to the board. Meaning, in points formats, which typically, typically, don't yell at me when I said, if you have a points format that handles percentages, great, you're on your own. Typically, points formats devalue field goal percent, free throw percent, and turnovers. Where does Luka suffer season to season? Field goal percent, free throw percent, turnovers, the latter two of those being the worst of the three. Free throw's been a big negative. Turnovers he had, I think, the most in the NBA last year. Certainly the most on a per-game basis. I didn't bother to count him up. So it shouldn't be a surprise that Luka is pre-ranked seven. Pulling a lot of that together, by the way. They, the Yahoo's projections, I don't think even exist. Do they have their projections for this coming season? Uh, I don't think so. No, wait a minute. There they are. Yeah, they got their totals numbers up there. So they have Luca's free throw percent inching up a little bit. They have his field goal percent inching up a little bit. Everything else stayed uh, mostly the same, which would explain a slight uptick in his category league value. I think they also have Luca playing 74 out of 82 games. That's a that's a respectably high number. KD, by the way, they actually have it 65, oddly enough. I was expecting the average number of games played to move back up this year. Sheesh. A lot of these guys. Harden, 75? Wow. It's interesting to note. Anyway, uh, not the point of today's show. So the Luka thing is pretty easy to explain away. Um, he's much, much better. He is a very much a first-rounder in points leagues. In eight category, he falls a bit, 
but you're still removing his worst category. And the nine category, he falls all the way back. I mean, he was a third rounder per game this last year. And even if he does take a small step forward, there's no reason he'd belong in this spot. Luca's a guy you take if you like Luca. That's the reason. Or if you're in points formats. Giannis, not surprisingly, being seven by ADP, but nine by pre-rank. Same general idea, although he is very good in field goal percent, which nullifies some of the other stuff a little bit. He's still worse in free throws than he is good in field goal. So those two together are a net negative. Turnovers is a net negative, but it's not that crazy. And Giannis actually is not all that far away anymore, season over season. If you look at him points formats versus category this last year, the, the gap is much smaller. The difference, of course, is that most of the guys in the first round per game are a net positive if you combine their field goal and their free throw values. DeJounte Murray was a very small negative. Giannis was a... uh, Anthony Davis actually was a very small negative. Giannis was about a double that, so kind of like a medium negative in field goal and free throw combined. And then everybody else was a positive. Jokic, positive in both. Durant, big positive in both. Embiid, positive in both. LeBron... Bigger positive in field goal than he was negative in free throw. Kyrie, flip it. Steph, same as Kyrie, better in free throw than than was bad in field goal. You get the idea. Like, there's a way to add those two together where you can see if you turned them both off, would this person move up or down? And the answer is Giannis and AD and DeJounte Murray were the first rounders last year that would move up if you turned off percentages. Everybody else would have moved down. So Giannis, yeah, still slides down a little bit uh, when you turn percentages back on. And for that reason, like Luca, we just talked about, he moves up in ADP boards because ADP is also including leagues where that stuff is turned off. Uh, mentioned Steph at six, no big surprises there. Cat at eight. Tatum, 9. Lamella Ball, 10. These are guys, again, Jason Tatum, if you put his stuff together, he's a net positive in the two percentages. Lamello, actually a very slight negative. He's pretty much a, a wash there. Uh, who am I forgetting that we just mentioned a second ago? Oh, and then it's James Harden and LeBron James to round out the top 12 on the ADP board. Although, again, it's Harden and then Kyrie and then LeBron over on the preseason rank chart. And I think some of that is this same thing again, where LeBron, who was actually much better in free throws last year, was, all you got to go back is to the previous season, LeBron was, really, he had a rough one. Was that 2020, 2021? Where did he end up that year? Uh, see, like... In the 30s? Yeah, it was in the 30s. He was very much a negative between free throw and field goal together. So LeBron was kind of a points league dude as recently as two seasons back, and then he wiped that out this last year by getting respectable at the free throw line. Still a negative, but a small one. Now suddenly he's flipped that to no longer being a points league darling. He's actually a category league darling, but the numbers, the ADP data and drafters didn't catch up with that. James Harden is an interesting one. Uh, I like that he's ranked, well, he's 11 in both right now, 11 
11th pick in ADP and in preseason rank. I think Harden's a guy that actually does have some upside this year. He was number 12 last season in what was basically like a career low in usage, which might actually happen again. Although when you look at it, you're like, okay, 41% from the field. That was bad even by James Harden's standards. There's an area of potential improvement. He's not going to be a a super field goal guy, but he's been uh, pretty typically in the 44 to 45 range. So even if you left everything out the same, if you adjusted field goal from something that was a brutal negative to just a small one, like basically Trey Young level negative, Harden jumps from where he was at 12. He jumps over Trey Young, probably jumps over Anthony Davis. I mean, this is a this is a big deal. That's a that's actually a pretty damn big deal. Harden could uh when you consider the fact that I think we all believe DeJounte Murray probably falls outside the top 12, so Harden moves up a slot just from that alone. Someone else might slide in there. Could Jimmy Butler get back into the first round per game? Maybe. Tatum? Maybe. There's some guys, LaMelo, Tyrese Halliburton, those guys are maybes to crawl in there. But it sure feels like Harden doing nothing at all could go from 12 to like 9 just by getting in shape and improving his field goal percent, which I think you can tie a lot of the, the Harden field goal stuff to... The his conditioning. I mean, he was everything was down these these years where he was kind of eating himself out of different situations. His eight games in Houston before he got traded, three point percent was thirty four and a half. His career numbers thirty six and change. There, he actually thought he shot thirty six and change in Brooklyn after his trade that year. Shot 47% from the field in Brooklyn after his trade that year. That's how he ended up in the middle of the first round again. Free throw number is pretty much where he's at. He's a high 80s guy at high volume. But this last year, Brooklyn shot 33% from three. Philly, 32.5. from the field in Brooklyn. 40 from the field in Philly. And I get it. He's a guy who's seen his three-point attempts have gone up but they've always been a really large percentage of his overall stuff like if you go back to his mondo season in houston 2018 2019 when he was taking almost 25 shots a game that year half of his shots that year were from three-point land and that stuck for him half of his shots this last year actually slightly less in brooklyn were from three and yet still he wasn't making his twos He's lost some of that ability around the rim, and I think a lot of that was because of the weight he was carrying. So Harden at that spot, the fact that we're seeing that now translate on the ADP side as well, makes him a pretty good mid-to-late first-round grab. I like a lot of the stuff going on in Philadelphia. I know I mentioned it on yesterday's season win totals episode. I just like the feeling around that team. They feel like they're in a good place. It feels like Harden could get some of his durability back. Like, this is the post-Houston Chris Paul situation again. Harden out of a situation or two of them that he hasn't enjoyed into a spot where he's happy. Guys play better when they're happy. Which, I guess, pivots back to our show opening discussion on Kevin Durant. Is he happy? Not really, but he strikes me as a different breed. He's not, he's not going to do what James Harden did. And also, like, it's August 23rd. By the way, uh, happy off-season show number 97, everybody. 
KD still, things could still change between now and opening day. We're under two months from it, but it's still almost two months from it. Still, the beauty of Kevin Durant is, you know, he's not going to be out of shape because body type, that's just not him. He's long and lean and spindly. That's not changing anytime soon. So all the stuff he does, he just can do. Like, he doesn't, KD doesn't need what Harden needed. He doesn't need to be quick enough to get separation. KD can just shoot over everybody else because he's seven feet tall and his arms touch the roof of the gym. He's a freak. If he wants to go to the rim, he'll go to the rim. He'll go through or around people. He'll just reach out and dunk over seven car lengths. Yeah, we're doing evil Knievel stuff here with KD. So, yeah, there is reason to be afraid on the Kevin Durant front, uh, but I don't think it's I don't think it's the same general situation. Um, we shall see, I suppose. This is all part of it. Still, if we're talking about safe plays at two, there aren't any. If you're talking about safe plays at like eight or nine, there are a bunch. And Harden's one of them. So what I'd like to do here going forward is on tomorrow's show, we'll probably go deeper, actually, than uh, the next 12. We'll probably talk about, uh, maybe try to go from like 13 through 50 on the ADP board, compare some of that to the preseason ranks, any names that jump out off the off, off the list. Um, because there weren't any surprises in the first 12. You knew those were going to be pretty tightly grouped because the big names are the big names but we'll find some interesting stuff on tomorrow's show names that kind of one of these things is not like the other sort of deal also uh on tomorrow's show we will no i already mentioned how we'll do the comparative analysis uh thursday's show we'll try to get back into the bucket building and then friday i wanted see if i can maybe even get a mock going this early we'll see we'll see it's a little early but you never know who doesn't love a good mock there's something I'm forgetting. There's always something I'm forgetting. Ah, yes. <sighs> I had two kids, and now I can't remember crap. I am Dan Vespris. Uh, hit me up, by the way. Oh, uh, recruiting pitch. That was one thing I was forgetting. Come work with us here at Sports Ethos. We've got spots. Uh, we need folks on the basketball, football, and baseball side. And that, by the way, is fantasy or if you want to cover a team. We only have, like, a very small handful of teams that have coverage in football and baseball because we just expanded into those. So if that's your thing, and I know I'm not the only one who plays fantasy basketball that loves watching other sports. And frankly, I feel like I follow the Dodgers more closely than I do anybody in the NBA, but on a different style. That's I want to watch a team and follow them and cover them. But fantasy, I'm going to cover all the teams. So if, if that's you... If you listen to this podcast, you're like, I love fantasy basketball. I know all the teams. I know all the fantasy stuff. But my team is, and you're like, I don't know, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Sorry. But also, uh, want to cover them, hit me up, at Dan Vespers on Twitter. Hopefully, I'll talk to you guys over there. Uh, by the way, the NFL Listener League that JP's hosting is now full. If you'd like to get on the wait list for NFL leagues going forward, you can hit me up on Twitter about that. And starting in... Two days, I think. We're going to be opening up our NBA leagues, which don't draft until early October, but they do fill up. And then if there's like a five or six people that wanted to open up another league, we're not going to do it unless it unless you get 12 teams. So make sure you get in on that early. Get your spot 
for the Sports Ethos Leagues. That's uh, all stuff we'll talk about more as this week goes on. And excited to announce that we will be partnering with our buddies over at Manscaped again for this coming NBA season. We'll have more details on that in early October. Have a great Tuesday, everybody. 97 done. Countdown to 100. Count up to 100. What's the point? Still got a month and a half after that. Either way, more ADP data tomorrow here on Fantasy NBA Today. We will talk to you then. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.